I feel like it's a great opportunity and a part of my big why for doing syndication, you know, as opposed to just buying my own stuff or, you know, putting money in passively or whatever is there were a lot of people I really wanted to help in my life. People who friends, family, you know, coworkers at the company I work for who like their whole life, they'd worked hard, they had mm-hmm. saved, budgeted, put money in, but they're like, we don't know how we're going to retire. And so yeah. for me, it's almost a mission. It's a service that I'm doing for them as much as it is for me. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. Great to be here today. Beautiful day here with Jonathan Nichols. I'm just excited to be back. I've actually taken a break from the podcasting for a couple of weeks. Just been traveling a lot. So good to be back with another episode. You guys don't know that because the episodes go live about a month or so after we actually record them. But just for me, it's always good to be back in the saddle. Again, great to be here with a Texan back in the saddle. Great reference there. But John, <laughs> how you doing today? What's going on? Hey, Hey, yo, not doing great. Excited to be here. Like you said, a nice day and happy to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to have someone like yourself who has a lot of experience in real estate. We love talking to people who have experience in real estate and just learning a thing or two about how you did it and what pointers you would give for the rest of us who are trying to get involved or get more experience in that. So if you wouldn't mind, give us a little background what you were doing before you got involved in real estate and how you found, how you caught the bug and how you got started. <laughs> well, it's a cool story because my background is I went to school to be an aerospace engineer and I worked for eight years as an aerospace engineer at a local aerospace company here in the DFW Metroplex. Five years ago, my wife Paula and I got married and shortly after we got married, she informed me one day that we needed to have a hobby together. And I was like, what Like, what are we going to do for a hobby? You know, I just I had no idea of what this could be. Well, along that same time frame, you know, I picked up the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've always been an avid reader. And, you know, that kind of got the wheels turning in my head about wanting to learn about real estate investing. And my wife being a finance major, she said, yeah, I could get on board with that. Like, I'm interested too. And it'd be cool to have a hobby that makes money rather than spends money. So off we went. And, you know, our original idea was we were just going to save up our money little bit by little bit and buy a single family house and rent it out. But as we continued to learn more and more through books and podcasts and such, we realized that really the best thing to do was to move from our house that we lived in and owned and go house hack a fourplex as our first investment. And so that was actually our first investment in real estate was house hacking a fourplex. And we moved there. We renovated the whole thing while we lived there. And, you know, that was kind of how we got started. But what was interesting is that, you know, my background being an engineer, I really felt like, you know, my strong suit was going to be the numbers, the analysis. And so, you know, I had been very carefully analyzing all the deals that we looked at. And I had calculated that we were going to make, you know, three or $400 a month of cash flow on this fourplex. Well, lo and behold, we get there and there's so much deferred maintenance on this thing that instead of making three or 400, we're actually probably having to put in two or 300 a month. 
And while that wasn't necessarily a serious mistake, it was kind of a hit to the ego and a discouragement of like, hey, we're getting in this to make money and now we're having to put more into it. And so what we did was we had learned a little bit about short-term rental and Airbnbs. And so we thought, hey, this fourplex is actually just a few blocks from the AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys NFL team plays here in Arlington. What if we converted one of the units to a short-term rental and just, you know, kind of saw how it went? And so that's what we did. And long story short, it wound up taking off and doing so well that we converted all the units to short-term rental and eventually moved out of there to another house. And we continued to build our portfolio of short-term rentals and found that to be our niche, if you will, in real estate. And after we'd done a few of those, we started talking to some people at our local meetup about who were full-time investors as far as, you know, how are you a full-time investor? Like, what does that look like? And almost all of them responded saying, hey, we do multifamily investing. We invest in large apartment complexes and do what's called syndication, where we pool investors together that, you know, people who want to invest in real estate, but they don't have maybe the experience or the desire to spend time on it. And so we started learning about that. We then did our first syndication a couple of years ago, and now we've actually completed four commercial projects. So that's amazing. Um, bit long-winded, but that's the short and sweet story of our real estate journey. That's awesome. And so when you did the fourplex and the house hack and converted them into the short-term rental, which I think that's amazing, a little bit out of the box, but you saw from that, it really took off and actually probably made you a lot more money than even originally projected from the, yes. the, the long-term rentals. Were you doing all this while still working at your engineer job? Yeah. So when I started, I did everything myself. I mean, I fixed stuff on our short-term rental. When we had our first one, I would come home from work. I went into work early. I was a you know early to go in. So you know, I'd be there by like, let's say 6.30 or 7 in the morning and off at 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. We actually had our check-in time at 6 p.m. because I would then come home and clean the unit before the people would go in there. Wow. And I did that with one and then we got two going and I tried to do it with two and then I realized this is not working. And so that's the point where we hired our first employee, if you will, obviously someone to clean the units. And so Mm -hmm. today on the short-term rental, you know, we have several cleaners, a couple of people who do the management, you know, talk to the guests and all that. So it's, I don't want to say entirely hands-off, but you know, much more hands-off than it was in the beginning. And obviously all those lessons we've learned from that business, even though we're not necessarily working to scale that business a bunch now, have played off in the multifamily world too. That's great. And so transitioning from that, you know, from the short-term rentals to the multifamily syndications, obviously some smaller, but some larger, you know, hundred plus unit deals where you're, it's a lot more work, at least setting it up and certainly managing it. I'm sure you have property managers, et cetera, but you know, how, how are you managing all of this? What I'm trying to figure out here is, are you still working full-time or have you taken a, a backseat to that? Have you gone more full-time into the real estate? No, actually. So I left my W-2 job almost a year ago. Next month will be one year that I left my W-2 job as an engineer. There you go. My wife went back and forth about who was going to who was gonna jump first. And at first she was, and then I was. And so I wound up being the lucky candidate, so to speak. But <laughs> At the time I left, Yona, we we obviously I was working full time. We had a syndication deal under contract. So we were in acquisition for a syndication deal, raising capital, all that stuff. We also had an eight unit property that we had JV'd with some partners here in Arlington. And we were rehabbing all eight units to convert them to short term rental. 
And so I was literally not sleeping. And like the day I left was, you know, one of the best days because suddenly I had all, you know, all the time I needed to get all these projects done. Today, honestly, I feel like the time management's a bit of a balance. You know, you have to first and foremost, make sure all the current projects you have are doing well. You owe that to your investors and to yourself to make that your first priority. Uh, But then after that, you know, dividing your time between acquisitions and, you know, finding potential investors, raising capital for deals. And then, you know, all of those things, of course, in the context of having a well-balanced family life and, you know, enjoying whatever it is that that you do outside of real estate. Sure. No, and that's always a challenge. I mean, clearly when you're working as a husband and wife team as well and trying to, I mean, you started it doing it as what your wife called a hobby, which then turned into a business, which then turned into a full-time business, which now is incredible that you're able to leave your job, leave your full-time work because these businesses took off and are making so much money. Yeah, honestly, it's a blessing is the way I would put it. And, you know, one of the places that we learned the most from when we very first started real estates was the Bigger Pockets podcast. We listened to, you know, every episode we could get our hands on. We actually went on a vacation where we were driving for about two weeks straight and we listened to, I don't know, probably 50 episodes or something ridiculous. But I remember at that time hearing about these people that left their job to go do real estate full time. And I was like, eh, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't really think that's the direction I'm heading. I just, you know, want to learn more about this and, you know, make some money on the side and have right. an investment besides the stock market. But, you know, if you get into it and you love it, it's doing well, then at some point, I think you kind of have to make that decision of like, where's my life going? Cause you, you can't do everything in life, you know? So, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's great when you have a job that you love. And, you know, for some people, that's a challenge. If you really enjoy your W-2 or your full-time job and then like, hmm, if I really want to grow my real estate business, I have to focus more time. It is a bit of a struggle um, to make that decision. But for some people, it's really easy. (laughs) And for others, it's like, oh yeah, what can I do to get out of my W-2 job (laughs) and uh, scale my real estate business faster? So everyone's in a different state when it comes to that. But I think creating those opportunities by, you know, just being open to it. Like you said, you you went to the real estate meetup and just asking people, how do you guys do this? You know, how do you guys, or how are you full time? I think when you ask the question at that point, I'm sure it was in your mind, hmm, maybe this is something that I could do more full time. Absolutely. By the time we went to multifamily, you know, we were committed. And my personal opinion, which some people would disagree with me, I think if you're going to be a uh, sponsor on multifamily deals, you really should be full-time or headed towards the full-time path just because there's a lot of at stake when it comes to investors' money. And you don't want to have conflicting interests when it comes to, well, I'm having to wrap this project up at work today. So I couldn't do, mm-hmm. you know, XYZ. And so I think it's almost in my mind a fiduciary responsibility to, you know, either be there or heading that direction. For sure. And is is this something that you, you know, your business focused on the multifamily properties pretty much exclusively going forward? That's correct. So, you know, I mentioned the JV deal we have with short-term rental, all the rest of them are our kind of personal portfolio, if you will. And we still do a project every now and then. This year, we bought a duplex and renovated it, for example, and turned it into short-term rental. But it's almost a side hustle, if you will, right? right? The full-time thing is the multifamily. And so 
Our business, Apogee Capital, that's what we focus on full-time is you know value-add multifamily projects. Amazing. And once you learn the business of short-term rentals, for example, it's something that you can just, you know, if you find a great deal, you can go ahead and set a new one up. And it almost, yeah. like you said, runs on its own for the most part once you get the systems in place. Especially if you have a good team in place that can, you know, manage it and, you know, hire people and, and handle all that for you. Yeah, absolutely. My inspiration for the short-term rental when we first started growing it was I, I read the book, Four Hour Work Week, mm -hmm. And so I had this idea in my head, like, how could I make this business a four hour work week? And that was kind of what I was working towards for, you know, the first couple of years. And, you know, I got that business to the point where basically I was making the same in that as I was in my engineering job. And that's what allowed me to leave. You know, I wasn't making all the money in multifamily sure. necessarily yet at the time I left. But, you know, that book was really the inspiration for, you know, what the short term rental became. That's awesome. So how many units was that total of the short-term rentals that you were able to have the equal? You know, not as not as many as you would think. I think at the time that I left, we had five that we owned. And then we were working on the eight unit I mentioned, but that was a JV. So we didn't mm -hmm. own the whole thing. Um, and then I had a couple of units of what's called arbitrage, where basically you go out and rent from someone else and then re-rent it on Airbnb. And like I said, it was about the equivalent of what, you know, I was making in my engineering job, but it doesn't take as many short-term rental units as what it does in multifamily. Sure. But if you don't have a good manager to run the business for you, it would be more hands-on than multifamily day-to-day. -day. Yeah, absolutely. And in multifamily, typically when you're talking about syndications, as the general partner, as the lead sponsor, you really make your money on the sale, you know, once yeah. you've or any capital event where you're going to refinance or something like that, because you're not really making a lot of cash flow. Most of the cash flow, if not all of it, is going to the investors. Exactly. And that's why I haven't sold off or gotten out of the short-term rental business. I have probably, a, I would say, a healthy fear of using other people's money for real estate. I feel like it's a great opportunity. And a part of my big why for doing syndication you know, as opposed to just buying my own stuff or, you know, putting money in passively or whatever is there are a lot of people I really wanted to help in my life. People who friends, family, you know, coworkers at the company I work for who like their whole life, they'd worked hard, they had mm -hmm. saved, budgeted, put money in, but they're like, we don't know how we're going to retire. And so yeah. for me, it's almost a mission. It's a service that I'm doing for them as much as it is for me. And my perspective, I typically speaking, I put in all my acquisition fee into the deals when I get them. And so for me, a hundred percent of the upside is, is on the sale. And that really helps me sleep at night and keeps me focused on, you know, making sure that our deals are doing well. And, right. and so far, you know, I'm very grateful that they are. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. And it really does show a more, you know, responsible side from the capital, you know, preservation of your investors, because if you're yeah. putting your money or you're putting everything, you're kind of skin in the game, so to speak, into the deal itself, it really shows, you know, I have seen and come across on occasion where you'll have GPs, sponsors where they will take the large acquisition fees. And really that's their focus. And it doesn't matter if the deal itself is is a great deal because all they're worried about is really their fees. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I have come across that in the past. And it's always important to have the goals aligned between sponsors and you know investors. So that's good to hear. I'm curious to hear how how at all, if Paula, your wife, is she still involved in the business? Because again, you started this as a hobby, but she's still working full time. Yeah. I mean, what's her involvement in the business and how do you balance that? Man, that's such a great question. So I would say that, you know, at this point, me doing it full time, I probably do 
80 to 90% of it, you know, and she kind of fills in the rest of the gaps. She works full time for a real estate developer here in Arlington. You know, they build new houses like entire additions, oh, cool. um, very well known developer here. And so, one, her background was working as a management consultant. And so now she's a project manager for this developer. And so it really, you know, fit her skill set well. And she's been able to bring a lot of value to them, you know, enjoys the company, enjoys who she works for. You know, at some time in the future, she may come join Apogee, but, you know, that's been her focus for the past couple of years. And, you know, really, I would say the things that she focuses on is one, when I find a deal that we're looking at pursuing, you know, very seriously, I use her as almost my first investor, right? Almost a, a shark tank thing where I'll pitch it to her. Like I said, she was a finance major in school, a management consultant. And so obviously she's a logical first choice of, you know, kind of vetting deals that we're looking at. And then I would say the second thing is, you know, raising capital. She has a good network just like I do, but, you know, a different network. And so she's been able to, to bring a lot of value to our business doing that. But, you know, in order to keep us from doing this 24-7, you know, we try to when, you know, she gets home or on the weekends, you know, make that more family time as much as possible or, you know, limit blocks of time where we're maybe working on the business together just so that you know, everything works out well. That's great. That's great. And having that experience as a project manager, I'm sure can and will go very, very far in terms of your business and growing that because that's one skill set that is extremely beneficial in running a real estate business. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, that's great. I mean, it's always fun and it, cool to hear stories where couples are working together on deals. And it sounds like she's got a great role in that, you know, especially given the fact that she has the network that she has to bring in the capital. Yeah. And again, when you're doing syndications on your own, it's really important to have that big network. You know, the yeah. bigger you can grow that, the better. And are you partnering with other syndicators or are you doing most of the syndications just fully on your own? Yeah. So every deal we've done so far, we have partnered with other syndicators. And I would say for the foreseeable future, probably will be. Really, there's two reasons behind it. One, I feel that, you know, my background and skill set that I have, I think brings a lot of value to the syndications that we have, mm. but I'm not under the illusion that I know everything or that other people don't have complementary skill sets. And so once again, within our big, you know, goal of, you know, wanting to do well for investors, I think it's in the best interest of the investors, you know, from a well-rounded team perspective, from an accountability perspective to have other partners on the deal. And also it's for, you know, raising capital. Um, mm -hmm. It takes a lot of money to be able to get these large syndications done, you know, 100 plus unit deals. And so it almost is necessary to have partners until you grow to the point where, you know, you could pull in the capital on your own for right. one of those large deals. No, absolutely. That's important. And are you focused more in the Texas market? Is that your primary location where you're buying deals? Yeah. So we've done two deals here in Texas and we've done two up in Oklahoma. Also, I also passively invest in well. A lot of my passive investments are with my friends on deals they've done. And all of those are Texas and Oklahoma, except have one passive investment in Arizona. And so I'm a big fan of Texas and Oklahoma. I was born in Oklahoma and I've grown up in Texas. So I'm a big gotcha. fan of these two markets. That's great. Now, out of curiosity, and this is something that you know I've personally deal with as well, but being that you are a sponsor, you're running your own deals. What's the reasoning behind you know passively investing in other people's deals? Like, why do you do that? Yeah, so I would say the biggest reason for me personally, and different people do this differently when they leave mm -hmm. their job, but you know most people have a four hundred one k or you know hopefully some sum of retirement money. 
some people choose to take all that out of their 401k and, you know, take the, pay the taxes, take the penalty hit and then put it in their own deals. Nothing wrong with that. I have a lot of friends that have done that. I chose to go another route, which was roll it over to a self-directed 401k and, you know, not take that tax and penalty hit right now. But one of the rules in doing that is that you cannot invest in your own deals. And so most of the money I've passively invested has come from that. My wife's also done the same thing with one of the previous jobs she had. So most of our money passively investment, passively invested comes from those sources where we're actually not allowed to put that money in our own deals. I use it as an opportunity to diversify sure. and also to build relationships with people that I like. So, you know, if I find a deal I like and it's people that I like, then, you know, I'll, I'll consider investing with them. No, that's great. I think it's a great... And on the other, the flip side, it also allows you to learn how other sponsors or other syndicators are 100%. communicating. I think that's important. Communication is probably one of the biggest factors when it comes to for me, at least, when I've you know invested passively, I would like to see what the communication is like from the sponsors and how often and how transparent they are. Because when I'm running my own deals, I want to make sure that I'm communicating the right way to my investors. I 100% agree with that, and you know I also agree with the what you said about learning from the investments you're you're passively invested with. A lot of my, not all my partners, but some people I've considered, you know, GPing with, sponsoring with, I've invested in their deals first on my Mm -hmm. own just to see how that goes. And to be completely frank, there's some people that I'm like, yes, I would definitely partner with them in the future. And there are some people that have been written off my list, not because necessarily they're terrible sponsors, but just you know, I have certain things that I see as necessary for my investors and they yeah. just choose to do things differently, you know? Right. So, No, it's absolutely a great way. I actually hosted a panel at an event a couple of months ago where the topic was passive investing in real estate. And so we had on the stage a number of really experienced LP, right? Limited partner investors who themselves are also right. full, you know, some of them, not all of them were full-time you know, sponsors as well. And so some of them put money in other people's deals. And again, they learned through that, you know, who to invest with, who to partner with, how to do things the right way, and what is the wrong way to do it in many occasions. And it's extremely important. If you're able to, you know, take that in helps to grow your business. I mean, any business, whatever it is, real estate, anything, it doesn't matter what it is. You want to always be educating yourself and seeing what other people in the industry are doing so that you can grow your business and do things the right way. So, I mean, to me, that's probably the best way to learn is through the experience of being an investor because you want that experience of hmm, how are my investors on my deals how are they going to respond to me and how are they going to relate to me? I'll learn that by you know doing it myself. Yep, 100% agree. That's awesome. Well, John, I want to transition now to what we call the final four. And these are four questions I ask all my guests. The first question for you is, what is the worst job that you ever had? Man, so so it's a great question. First of all, I would clarify and say it's one of those, like it was probably you know the best and the worst at the same time kind of thing. You know how that goes. I grew up working on a farm for a number of years, extremely labor intensive job, but a lot of lessons that I've learned from that, that I've taken with me throughout my life that have been very useful. And so, you know, there were some really challenging days out there that I don't want to relive, but, you know, also some lessons that, you know, I wouldn't want to give up either. I mean, that's really, that's important. Yeah, Not every job that's the worst job is fully the worst in every way. Obviously there are things you can learn from it also. So 
That's good to hear. Second question, what is a book you've read? And you said you're an avid reader. So we'll try to find one that's giving you a paradigm shift. Yeah, man, that's a very difficult one for me to answer. But one that I go back to a lot is The Miracle Equation. And, you know, basically the premise of the book is that if you have unwavering faith and put in a substantial amount of work, you know, you have the recipe to, you know, see projects through to success or achieve goals that you want to achieve big goals, not little goals, big goals. And I remember when we were looking for our first syndication, I read that book maybe four or five months before we had done that first big syndication. And that was like the mentality that I had while looking for that was like, I'm going to have unwavering faith. Like, I believe we're going to find a deal, but I'm also going to just work my butt off until I get there. And so I'm a big believer in that book. It really hit home for me. That's great. No, it's actually the first hearing of that, I believe. The Miracle Equation. Not sure if it's ever been mentioned. Actually, positive it's never been mentioned on the show before. So we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. And I will make sure to check that out myself because the premise of the book, as you described it, is something I relate to also. So I'm curious to hear kind of the perspectives and how to build that mindset further. So yeah, definitely check out the miracle equation. Third question for you is what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Wow. That's the hardest. Yeah. That may be the hardest one out of all of it. Um, Hmm. So I would say a few years ago, my wife is Paula is, is Colombian. So I started learning Spanish and I kind of found that I really have a love for learning languages. And I wouldn't say that I'm fluent in Spanish now, but you know, I'm, you know, decent at it. And so I would say either, you know, becoming fluent all the way in that and, or, you know, learning another language even beyond that would be what I would have to say. I just really enjoy it to me. Some people like doing crossword puzzles and stuff like that to kind of stimulate their mind. And for me, that's just been something that I just enjoy doing. It's fun. Yeah. Listen, learning a language is fun. It it can be, especially if you immerse yourself in it. And, you know, being in Texas, I'm sure you have quite a lot of experience or opportunity to use that language. So that's 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 really where the fun is in it, right? Is the relationships that you get to build with people who otherwise you wouldn't have. That's really the cool part about it. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. Well, okay. Well done. Good answer there. And there's no wrong answer. So whatever works. Fourth and final question. What does success mean to you? Yeah, for me, I think it's kind of living my life as a whole to the fullest potential that I can. For me, my my personal faith background is, is I'm a Christian. So I believe you love God, you love other people. And so, you know, doing the best I can to be obedient to that, to make a difference in people's lives, you know, starting with my family and, and the people that, that I've had placed in my life, but then, you know, moving beyond that. You know, I think that, you know, if one day when I die in the future, you know, I'd like people at my funeral to say that, you know, I made a difference in their life. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really care. You know, I, I hope I make a lot of money doing this. That would be nice. Um, you know, I hope that, you know, I have a lot of other successes, but I think that's the one thing I would really want people to say. That's awesome. And I think that's really what it's all about. So appreciate that. Appreciate your perspective on that. And I'm sure you will make a lot of money doing it as well, because (laughs) real estate happens to be one of those one of those things that if done right, you'll make a lot of money. So (laughs) it's very true. Well, good for you. I appreciate you coming on the show. How can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two ways I would say. One, we have a really cool website and I can say that because Paula put it together and it's www.apogee.com. 
NFC, like multifamilycapital.com. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's something we could toss in the show notes. Um, we, you know, we have a lot about our we have a lot about our business and just some useful resources for someone that like is like, you know, what in the world's passive investing? How do I get started? So that's one way. The other way, largely thanks to you, Yona, is I would say I have a pretty good LinkedIn network of people who, you know, I talk to and, you know, I'm very active on there. You know, I don't post every day, but I'll say every other day. We'll go with that. Yeah. And I'm very open to talk to people on there. So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. And appreciate that. Love having you there on on LinkedIn. You've put out a lot of great content over the years. Always appreciate you commenting and you know being involved in the conversations there as well. So definitely going to put all that in the show notes. And it's really been a pleasure. Thank you again for joining me today. Thanks, you and I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. And to our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.